0: All right, you guys ready? so I got to just preface this with there are lot there's lots of information here, okay uh, I, I stayed up really late last night just really wrestling with this because there is so much information that could be presented um, in terms of Israel, uh, the history of israel right and um, and then when we get into the conflict surrounding the land of Israel, there is certainly. Uh, pages and pages and pages and pages of history uh, around the conflict. So for me to sit here and share facts with you, would be uh, kind, of, kind of pointless. There will be some of that in here. But really what I want us to capture in these two weeks, I, w- I wanna go after two things. Number one, I want you to see um, that God is still very interested in Israel. I believe that he's interested in the land of Israel. I believe he's still interested very much in the people of Israel. I believe they capture his heart and I believe he is uh, moving in such a way that they would uh, worship Jesus as the Messiah right? Over and over in the Old Testament, we hear that when God moves amongst his people, he says it's for his glory. So that they might know, he always says, that they might know that I am the Lord. So we see these events unfolding, and I know, look, I know that they are very far removed from us now, but they are not far removed from the heart of God. They are not far removed from our scriptures. In fact, most of your Bible is about Israel. And we have, uh, it's, it's, it's funny how we've removed ourselves from it. Even a lot of our New Testament is about Israel and about how we are partakers in uh, the blessing of Israel through Jesus, right? This is, this is the beauty um, of what Jesus has done in terms of unity. As scripture says that he, made, uh, that he made two men, Jews and Gentiles, into one, right? He, he abolished that separating wall and brought the two into one. So should we be interested in Israel? Yes is the answer. And I think a lot of us, maybe, that, maybe that's the answer, and maybe we're like, okay, that's the Old Testament. But as far as what we know about it now, how we've engaged the topic now, uh, we're very far removed. So I want to, in two weeks, I want to bring us closer, okay? So I want to look at, number one, uh, is God still interested? Uh, I want to look at the miraculous things that have happened uh, around uh, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And then, uh, number two, next week, uh, and next week's going to be a beast. I'll just tell you, it's going to be a beast. Um, we're going to look at the conflict uh as best as we can. Uh we're gonna look at why why is there uh, such turmoil in the land and try to understand it because uh when it comes up believers often take a back row because we don't we don't know how to talk about it. And so I wanna I want us to have a, a framework of how to talk about it. Is this okay? Yeah? How many of you how many of you um when um when Hamas began to launch rockets in this last round, um, and and Israel uh, launched Pillar of Defense, right? Is this any of this connecting? How how many of you had that conversation in class? Anybody? Not a one. How many of you had that conversation, uh, adults um, or older adults? How many of you had that conversation at work or in your homes? Anybody? A few. Why not? Any of your professors address it? Any of you, Anybody you know, uh, Anybody talk about it? A few? We got maybe a few? So you see what I mean? Uh, maybe some of the more significant events that are taking place in our day and we're relatively silent about it, right? Does this make sense? And I think it's just because of a lack of understanding. So that's what I want to address uh, in these next two weeks. So let's pray and, um, and let's ask God to show us truth because uh, it's a little different, and I just want to engage, engage the Lord, not just look at facts. So God, we just ask for you to breathe truth over us. Holy Spirit, we know that you are active uh, here, but that you are active in the land of Israel. You are active amongst your people, uh, and we thank you for that, God. And we just pray that we would see your heart. Uh, that, that's our desire this morning, is that we would just, uh, we would just know how you feel uh, about the Middle East. That we would see uh, what, what you are doing see your hand at work, um, because we know that the Scripture says that you are, you are doing all things for your glory. And so we just ask that we would line ourselves up with your purposes and what you're doing for your glory, that we might be people who are praying into those purposes, not people who don't understand them, not people who shy away from them, but, but who engage them, knowing this is the heartbeat of God, and I want to participate in his heartbeat. So we just ask for that to be made known and nothing else. God, we don't want, we don't want politics. We don't want just facts. We want to know your heart this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that's what I would ask you this morning, is that you would just engage the heart of the Lord as His Holy Spirit is, is present and desiring to, uh, to teach us. Um, we, it's very difficult with some of these topics because they've got political uh, undertones, and it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to get past that sometimes. So I, I want us to, to attempt to do that this morning. So are you okay? This is a bit different. So are you all right? Ready to go? Okay. So, just an, an update, right? This last, uh, this last season of conflict, these last few days of conflict, Israel launched Pillar of Defense. Do you know what the outcome was? Okay. Yeah, it stopped. He said they stopped all the missiles. What happened? What was What was signed? A treaty, right? There was, there was peace uh, that, was, uh, that was agreed upon, right? Hamas said they would, they would no longer launch rockets. Israel agreed as well. Uh, there were some terms to that. We'll look at that a little bit more next week. Um, but there's this continual push uh, for uh, this division of the land of Israel for a sovereign Palestinian state, right? And this is uh, this is a lot of the problem. We've got terrorist organizations coming into uh, the land of Palestine, attacking Israel, and you've got lots of helpless people in between it, uh, and you've got this war that's going on on top. You see this? So there's lots of lots of very difficult things to separate here. But uh, it's it's stopped for now. We'll see. This has happened before, and we've been here again, so we'll see how long this lasts. Uh, but do you know what happened on Thursday? Very, very, very significant in the news on Thursday, the United Nations decided to do something. What did they do? I'm sorry? Yeah. So, against, uh, against the wishes, I think it was 18 countries, the United States uh, and Canada were uh, a part of that, that said, no, we, we do not believe this is a good idea. Uh, but 138. Uh, nations said that they, they were voting for uh, Palestine to be a, uh, its own state. But here's the deal. It's a little different um, than what we think. So uh, because the UN voted for this, it was not the UN Security Council. It was, uh, they just gave Palestine a, uh, it's called non-member observer state status. It, it really, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't mean much at all. But it has further created tension between Israel and uh, Palestine because uh, it didn't come through direct talks. So these are, the things that, these are the things that have happened in the last week that are certainly very important uh, that I wanted to kind of keep you up to, uh, up to date on. Okay, so you ready? Let's get in the Word and, and, and we'll go. Um, Ezekiel chapter 36. This is fun. Man, I just love the, I love the Old Testament. Anybody know that there's things in the Old Testament that, are, that have happened in the last few years, that are happening now? It's crazy. Prophecy, like, happening in our midst right now. It's very exciting. Some of this we're gonna see, and I just think it's gonna blow your mind how awesome God is. Um, okay, so uh, he says in verse 36, and I just wanna introduce what we're gonna be talking about. I'm not, sorry, not verse 36. Chapter 36. So in chapter 36, verse 1, he says, you, son of man, prophesy to who? What does he say? Is this strange to you? He says, listen, son of man, I want you to prophesy to the mountains of Israel. Right? We don't really normally think about prophesying to landscape, right? Jesus talked about it a little bit. He said, if you say to this mountain, get up and move, right? So we have uh, context a little bit, but he says, I want you to prophesy to the mountains of Israel. So what is he talking about? Is he prophesying to a people or is he prophesying over a land? Somebody said something? I missed it. A land. Is this strange to you? It's a bit, it's a bit different, right? Right? And he says, I want you to prophesy to a land. So is it important for us, right? If I was going to say I'm going to prophesy over Brittany, is it important for me to know who Brittany is? Yeah, well, we read this. We say the mountains of Israel. He's going to prophesy. He's going to speak to the mountains of Israel. Is it important for us to know what are the mountains of Israel? What, what land is he speaking about? Is this just some uh, mountain range in Israel? Is this a mountain? Is this a hill? I mean, what are, we, what are we talking about? So let's get first, let's get some context on what we're talking about. Anna, if you'll pull up mountains of Israel, I just want you to see this. So when God promises the land of Israel to Abraham in this very beginning discussion, and then he, and he follows his promise uh, to Isaac and to Jacob, right? Who he later names, what does he name Jacob? Israel, right? This is where, this is where we get uh, this, this name, Israel, okay? Uh, but uh, he pro- he, prophesied, or he uh, promises this land, this all of Israel, and actually uh, beyond Israel. This land, we'll talk about that at some other point. The actual promise was for more than what we see here. But there was this very specific point. And in fact, very uh, very often when God is uh, speaking to Abraham, he's speaking to Abraham when Abraham is actually standing in some of the mountains of Israel. This shaded area is the mountains of Israel. And you can see over here all the very, very important places in Scripture where that are, that are located in the mountains of Israel, Right? This is a good one, Shiloh. Yeah? Anybody know what was significant about Shiloh? Besides, he's a cool kid. What was it? What was it Shiloh for uh, over 300 years? The tabernacle. The tabernacle was in Shiloh, okay? Uh, what about Bethlehem? Anything significant there? Yeah, the Messiah, right? The promised Savior of Israel born there right? So uh, this is a very significant piece of, uh, of God's heart, and this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the mountains of Israel. And it's actually very uh, interesting to note that what you've probably heard in the news, you, you hear it called the West Bank so often, right? It's, it's very much uh, almost exactly um, the mountains of Israel, this West Bank area. Gaza would be right over here. You don't see it here, but Gaza, this is the Gaza Strip. These are the things that we always hear, right? We hear the West Bank and we hear Gaza all the time, uh, but but where are these? So he says, I want you to prophesy to the mountains of Israel. So I want you to speak to the land. Now I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 6. Ezekiel was a prophet in the exile of Babylon, right? When uh, when Babylon uh, came and hauled uh, the the Jewish people off, uh, Ezekiel was a prophet uh, at the very beginning. He was a prophet at the beginning of the exile, okay? Anybody know who else was a prophet in the midst of this Babylonian exile? I'm just doing trivia today, it's fun, right? Daniel, right? Daniel was a prophet in the midst of the the Babylonian exile. Ezekiel was at the beginning. And in Ezekiel chapter six, I want you to see what what has happened. Now God is, uh, at this point, just to get us caught up, uh, God is pretty fed up with his people. Uh, Not fed up as we get fed up, not like tired of them, right, or frustrated to the point of, but it's time for discipline. There has been uh, over and over and over, and you know, you read, uh, you read Exodus, uh, you, read, you read the Old Testament, uh, you read about the rebellion uh, of, of these people, just a continual turn to idolatry, right? It's just, it, it come back to the heart of God for a moment, and then there's this shift to idolatry, right? Anybody see us in this picture? Yeah? Maybe a bit. Uh, so, so t- return to the heart of God and then swayed by idolatry return to the heart of God swayed by idolatry and at this point uh, he, he is about to speak uh, how he's going to deal with that idolatry so in chapter 6 I want to read uh, just a few verses now I would really recommend that you go through and read this whole chapter I'm going to point out a few verses for, time, uh, for time's sake so uh, verse 2 it says son of man set your face towards what? The mountains of Israel, so okay, these are going to be the same uh, subjects, right? The mountains of Israel in 36, the mountains of Israel in 6. So here he's beginning to address the mountains of Israel uh, and prophesy against them. So he says, prophesy what? Against them. So we know that there's a rebuke from the Lord coming. In verse 6, he says, in all your dwellings, cities will become waste and the high places will be desolate. That your altars may become waste and desolate. Your idols may be broken and brought to an end. Your incense altars may be cut down and your works may be blotted out. Go to verse eight. However, I will leave a remnant for you will have those who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered among the countries. So here's what he's talking about. That in, these, in this captivity, many will die, right? This is the nature of war. Many many will die. Some will stay in the land. It's a very, 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 very small amount. And some will be taken off into uh, captivity, right? So this is what he's talking about. This is, he's describing a scattering, that God is gonna allow uh, the enemy to come in and the people of God will be scattered. You understand this? Yeah, this is significant. Because what he's, what he's allowing to happen is home to be disrupted. Because what's happened in their hearts is that home has become a place of idolatry. Right, that they have forsaken the God who rescued them, and so what he's saying is, we've got to. Um, in Hebrews, it talks about a shaking. Right, God says He's going to shake until there's nothing left that can be shaken. Right, sometimes this is these are the seasons that we go through with the Lord. That there are things in us that we hold to so much, and it's not that we hate God, but that we have clung to these items, and we're saying, God, free me from these items. And sometimes it takes a removal. Right, and this is what he's doing with his people. Sometimes it takes uh, God removing uh, these things that hinder us, and that's what he's going to do with his people. To do that, he is going to require that they be scattered. Right, right. So this is what he's this is what he's talking about. And then go to verse fourteen. It says, "So throughout all their habitations, I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land more desolate and waste." Uh, than the wilderness uh, towards Diblah. Thus they will know that I am the Lord. And so here's what we often forget to read. It says at the end, thus they will know, what? That I am the Lord. Is God doing this because he's frustrated and because he's angry? No? I think a lot of times this is the picture we have of God that he's in heaven and he's like, I've just had enough with these people. I cannot handle them anymore, and so punishment ensues, right? This is not, this is not the heart of God. See, we, we have to understand that even in the Old Testament, God is a wooer, right? He is a, he is a lover, and he is desiring to woo his people to himself. And so what he's doing is he's allowing them to be scattered and run to the things that they claim that their hearts desire, right? So that they might truly come to the one that they love, their first love, right? Does this make sense? so that they will know that I am the Lord. Okay, so what's what's gonna happen? One word, I've said it a few times, what is God saying is gonna happen to his people? They're gonna be scattered. We hear Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus, when he's uh, at the temple, what does he say about the temple? He prophesies to to the building. What does he say about the building of the temple? Not one stone is gonna be left on another. Right? So so we, we read this prophecy Jesus comes along he says not one stone's going to be left on another. Anybody know what happens in 70 AD? We got we've got to mix history and Bible here. Anybody know what happens in 70 AD? Yeah. Scatter Foreign army comes in and scatters the people of Israel. Anybody know what happens in, uh, in 135 AD? The same thing. In 135 AD and, and in 70 AD, the Jewish people revolt against those who have them captive, and there's a scattering, and there's a scattering. And over and over, there's scattering. If you look at the history of the Jewish people from this point of prophecy, they were at, without their homeland scattered over and over and over and over and over again. It is a long list of nations who have ruled over the people of Israel, scattered to all parts of the earth, right? So we see that history lines up exactly with what God prophesied, but then let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 36. And I wanna hold there for just a second. What did he say he was gonna do to the land? Because remember, we're talking about the land. He said, he's gonna, the people are gonna be scattered, but he said, you're prophesying to the land. What was the land going to become? What were some of the words he used in, sorry, if you have to go back, but you shouldn't have to. Chapter six, what did he say? It starts with a D, one of them starts with a D. Desolate, right? He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make these beautiful places they are gonna be waste places. It's gonna, it's gonna be desolate. This is a beautiful, beautiful land. Lindsay and I have uh, have been and is certainly not a waste anymore, and uh, I'll share a little bit more about that with you. But um, when the people of God are not in the land of God, is this connection happening? It's waste and desolate. And so there is a, there is a strong connection between the people of God and this exodus, right? Leaving. Uh, don't confuse. Ex- I'm not. This leaving and then the land becoming waste and desolate. Here's just a little interesting uh, fact. It's incredible how things line up in history. In uh, 1517, the land of Israel was under uh, Turkish rule. And you know what the, what law the Turks uh, established in the land? They were going to tax everybody that had a live tree. For every live tree, there was a tax. I think this was a government that was certainly hurting, needed some money, right? It's like, I don't know. We may start taxing on trees soon, but uh, just kidding. That was a joke, lighten up, okay. <laughs> so they create this tax on live trees. Well, what do you think everybody's gonna do? Yeah, I'm not paying you for a tree, right? So imagine... When this thing comes out, imagine the chainsaws, right? Imagine what would happen in East Texas. <laughs> I mean, we're <laughs> right? Right? Trees just start coming down. This is incredible, though. God said, when my people leave, it'll become a waste place. They come in and they establish this law, just one of many things that happened. Uh, and Israel, literally, all the trees were cut down. The, the rate of, uh, or um, the amount of malaria, it was present in the land because all of the vegetation had died and was, was being uh, cut down, was at an all-time high. People were getting sick and dying rapidly. And there were not a lot of people in the land. For 2,000 years, even when Jesus was around, you got to understand, even when Jesus is around, this was a sparsely populated area uh, by the Jewish people. See, we, we, Rome was there, but they weren't even there in, in mass. This was a very sparsely populated, it's a desert region. And so nobody's there. You've got these uh, these tribes of what's called Bedouins, who are shepherds, and they're just kind of moving through the place. The Arab nations that were there were not there as established nations. These are people that were uh, that were just constantly moving through the land, right? These were like like uh, you think about uh, people who are migrant workers, right? This would be what what would be the population in the in the land of Israel, right? It became completely desolate. There was a, uh, um, uh, this is an excellent book. I'll recommend it to you um, at some point. But in 1882, it, uh, it says that there were about 288,000 people in this entire land. That's, that's not a lot, 288,000 people. In 95, uh, there, there's several million, 7.5 million. So just shows you how, de- uh, how sparse it got. Everybody with me? You still awake, all right? We're, we're almost there. Okay, we're almost to cool stuff. So you back to Ezekiel chapter 36. When Mark Twain went, I wanted to read you this. Mark Twain went, he, this is what he wrote when he went to Israel uh, in the 1800s. He says, the hallowed spot where the shepherds watched their flocks by night and where the angels sang peace on earth, goodwill to men is, uh, an untenanted, or is untenanted by any living creature. And the desert places, sorry, I'm not reading well, and the desert places around about them sleep in the hush of solitude that is inhabited only by birds of prey and skulking foxes. W.M. Thompson uh, said, How melancholy is this utter desolation? He said, Not a house, not a trace of inhabitants, not even shepherds to relieve the dull monotony. Isaiah says that uh, Sharon, which is the coastal region of Israel, shall be wilderness and it has become a sad and impressive reality. So people that were visiting the land were also understanding this concept that God was absolutely doing what he said he was going to do. See this was prophesied in Isaiah, it was prophesied in Jeremiah, it's prophesied in Ezekiel that the land would without its people would become desolate and it had become that. I think we've hammered home that point. Agree? So let's let's watch the miraculous begin. All right. Chapter 36. I want you to read verse 8 through 12. You ready? But you, O mountains of Israel, you will put forth your branches and bear your fruit for who? My people Israel, for they will soon come. This is exciting, right? He's just prophesied of desolation for his name's sake, and then he's also saying, but land of Israel. Israel. The people will soon return. He begins to speak of a return of people to the land and that the land will respond. This is an incredible picture. That the land will respond to the people of God being in it. Where'd I go? Where am I? Help me. Nine, okay. Are you sure? Yeah. For behold, I am for you and I will turn to you and you will be cultivated and sown. Listen to the promises. Begin to list the promises in your head. He says, he's going to, uh, He is for you. I'm going to turn to you. You'll be cultivated and sown. I will multiply men on you. Increasing population. Uh, all the house of Israel. All of it. And the cities will be inhabited and the waste places will be rebuilt. I will multiply on you man and beast and they will increase and be fruitful and I will cause you to be inhabited as you were formerly and will treat you better than at first. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. Yes, I will cause men, my people Israel. Now, this is very specific. It says, I will cause men, specifically my people Israel, to walk on you and possess you so that you will become their inheritance and never again bereave them of children. So, what is the prophet promising? Somebody say it loud. Repopulating and refurbishing the land. He says, I'm going to make these waste places, they're going to be rebuilt. I'm going to, uh, this land, when, the, when people return, I'm going to, what does he say? I'm going to multiply men on it. He's talking about this massive increase in population. And he says, I'm going to give this land to the people of Israel that they might, what? Possess it. It's important for us to understand. It's important for us to see the, the language of the prophet. This is the words of God. And what does he say? What's the point of this? In verse 11, into verse 11. What does he say? Yeah, thus you will know that I am the Lord. Does that sound familiar? In the scattering and in the bringing back, it is all for His glory. In the the leaving of the people and in their returning, it is so that they will know that I am the Lord. And So we have to at once answer this question. Is God interested in Israel? Is God interested in Israel and their relationship with Him? Is God interested in the Jewish people and their relationship with Him? Absolutely. He says, so that you will know that I am the Lord. And I I think we need to pause there because we we have this mentality in the West, uh, and in Western church, where we've just completely checked out of the heart of God for his people. We've been brought into the promise and we checked out. I want you to know God is still very fervently in love with his people. God is still absolutely obsessed with his land. In fact, it is where uh, his son will put his foot down and reign for a thousand years. Do you understand this? Those of you who will rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years, you will do it in the Middle East, not in Nacogdoches, not in Dallas, and not in New York City. You will spend time with the Savior of the earth for a thousand years while he rules and reigns. Right here. Is God interested in the land? Is God in love with his people? You don't have to know all the facts to prayerfully support that heart, right? You don't have to know all the history to know God is absolutely for his people. And he's still at work. Okay, so he promises a return. Now this is just, I'm gonna give you history, okay? So bear with me, but this is incredible. This, is, this opened my eyes um, to this story. This is what started to write this story on Lindsay and I's heart a long time ago when we began to understand the facts, when we began to read prophecy and then look at history and we saw this unfold and we were like, oh my goodness, how have we missed this story, right? So I just wanna read you a few things, all right? Let me find it. This is a wonderful book and I, it's called The Mountains of Israel. It's a very quick uh, read. I, you, I've read this probably three or four times. Uh, just really good overview of, of what we're talking about. But uh, I just want to read you some of the facts. So in 1948, what happens? What happens with Israel in 1948? Anybody? They became a state, right? They're declared a sovereign state. The very next day, anybody know what happens? War. Good, who said that? Very good. The very next day, oh, it is. <laughs> War, war happens, right? Israel's attacked by surrounding countries, right? And the, the goal was, the, the lingo was, we are going to wipe them off the map. We are going to destroy, because it was so offensive to certain, uh, to certain uh, countries, and we're, I'm not gonna shy away from this next week. We're gonna talk about it uh, at length. You need to understand it. But they decided that as soon as this is declared, this is such an offense to who we are, that we're gonna destroy them, wipe them off the map. Many attempts have been made, by the way, at this uh, feet to wipe God's people off the map and it has never been done And they came against Israel and Israel actually lost Several regions, okay, you got to understand they were a state for a day and they defended themselves Against several other countries. This is incredible and, and I say they defended themselves. God defended them They lost some of these regions in here Right, they lost some regions here uh, But they remained the jewish state remained. It's incredible Uh, So in in 1948, they became a sovereign Jewish state. And here's what's crazy. God said what was going to happen in terms of people? They're going to return to the land. Well, let me read you the list of the return. Have you ever ever stumbled upon this? All right, this is awesome. In 91, 15,000 Ethiopian Jews came to Israel in two days. Do you hear the number? 15,000. They've been returning from Ethiopia ever since. From Morocco, 30,000. Uh, thousand—sorry, 300,000 have come since 1948. In Tunisia, 105,000. From Iraq, 130,000. Uh, from Egypt, there's not a number. Uh, from Syria, 13,000. From Yemen, 50,000. Uh, and then God begins to talk about in Jeremiah, in chapter 23, he talks about a return of the people uh, from the land of the north. What's north of Israel? Anybody know? It starts with an R and it's big. There it is. <laughs> Russia, Right? In Jeremiah chapter 23, he says, the days are coming, says the Lord, that you will no longer say as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants and the house of Israel from the north country, right? What does he compare it to? He compares this to the Exodus, right? Right? He says, the days are coming where you're not gonna look back on the Exodus and say, remember this point, but you're gonna look back when God uh, brought people back from the north country, right? He's saying, "You're you're gonna look at a day that is more substantial than the days that happened in Exodus when you came out of Egypt. This will be the new marker for my power. Isn't that incredible? What an amazing statement, right? And from all the countries where I have driven them, and they will dwell in their own land. It says the return from the north was prophesied 2,500 years ago. One million from the former USSR have arrived in Israel. That was uh, in 2003. And an additional million are expected. So we want to do a little math. I just, man, I just can't. Can you imagine? The thousands and the there have been there have been entire people who have clued into God's purposes. There have been entire uh, organizations founded uh, to get Jews back to the land. People have people are desperate to get people back to the land. Why? Because this is what God has said. His desire is for His people to be in the land. And we have seen millions at this point. Millions. You gotta you gotta understand they were scattered all over the earth. Did you, re, you hear the countries that I listed? All over the earth, and then God said, I am going to put my people back in the land, and here they come. Is it because of something that they did? Did Israel wake up and say, Hey, God, we love you and we want to serve your son? No. What was the purpose? so that they might know that I am the Lord. See, we have this take where we look at Israel a lot of times and we go, man, if you would just get your act together. Right? We read the Old Testament, we're like, fools, right? But God's promises, listen, in Romans, in our New Testament, right? Romans says the gifts and the calling of God, this is Romans chapter 11, are irrevocable. He doesn't turn from what he said he will do. Their behavior wasn't the issue here. It was the glory of God. God said, I'm gonna scatter you and I'm gonna bring you back for my glory. And it has occurred. I want you to to know that some of these these are from when you've been alive. Some of these statistics I'm reading you, like, wake up. (laughs) We're reading Ezekiel come to life in our lifetime. We're reading the words of Jeremiah come off the page and, and fly into the land of Israel. I mean, are you watching this? God is active. He is absolutely at work amongst his people and they have begun to return to the land. And this is just cool. I'll, just, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. But um, since the people have been back to the land, there have been 256 now. Just, this is hard. Numbers are hard. 256 million trees uh, as of 2003 were planted. I did not even know. I did not. I was so checked out, man, when we went to Israel. I, I didn't know all of this stuff. And God just gave opportunity that we didn't even know about. Lindsay and I got to plant uh, trees. Uh, we were just helping this organization, and we got to plant uh, trees in Samaria. And I read this, and God's talking about bringing life back to the land. two hundred and fifty six million trees have been planted, and the number is rising right you you seriously uh oranges as big as your face like i'm not I'm not kidding, Lindsay and I were staying with this family in the west uh in the west bank, and uh they had this they had this tree in their front yard, and these massive orange things were off of it, and we were like, "What is that?" and they looked at us like. It's an orange. like <laughs> <laughs> it, It's insane. The fruit that is, uh, that is being birthed. Uh, they, have, they have figured out, since the people have returned to the land, they have figured out ways to irrigate in the desert. There are, there are uh, thriving communities in the desert. The land is green and blooming. In 1992, they had a uh, rainfall that they have not seen since history was recorded. Anybody? (laughs) Is it because they got themselves straight or is it because God is actively seeking to glorify His name? Because God promised it and He will bring it to pass. Does this encourage your life at all? Is this just history? Like, Is this just prophecy and we read it and we're like, good, God is at work in the Middle East or does this say something to you about the fervency of God over your life? Does this say something to you when you engage him in his promises, where he says, "Listen, hey, Caitlin, I want to promise you something. I want to know that that's got to be the greatest thing that God could ever say to us. Is I want to promise you life and full life. Because guess what? He's not turning from his promise. Even amongst their bad behavior, God's promise stood. Is anybody alive? Oh gosh, he is so good." And praise the Lord that we have this viewpoint. Now, I mean, uh, the Scripture talks about uh, how the, the prophets of old, to see what was happening in Jesus' day, how they would have grown to see the days, right? You remember this Scripture? Well, I think Ezekiel, what, what, if, what if I read those facts to Ezekiel as he prophesied desolation and then return? What if I said to him, hey, man, God came through? What a treat for us to be able to observe God coming through. And what does it do to strengthen your heart when God says, and I'm gonna send my son back? He's coming back. Guess what, friends, it's a promise. And just like this has been fulfilled and we are seeing it be fulfilled in our day, he is coming back. He has not left us as an orphan. Jesus will return and all will bow and all will confess that he is Lord. It's a promise. Not because Christian, you start acting right, but because God is good. Yeah? Anybody okay with that? In 1967, what happened? Anybody? 1967? I want to close with this. Come on, 1967. Big deal. Is a war? You may know what it's called? Oh, somebody said it? You're like it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Who said it? Six Day War. Cool. All right, guys. Sorry. Six Day War. Uh, Anna, will you show me? Let me see. I want to see uh, Israel after the Six Day War. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Let's look at that one. Okay. So here's this is what's cool. Uh, so remember the shaded area what's the shaded area the mountains of israel right god said that who was going to possess the mountains of israel who said that his people right that wasn't that wasn't part of it you just get to return he says and you're going to possess the land right did god leave it out did he like make a long list so that he could come through on a few of them or is he going to come through on all of them yeah all of them right he says, I'm going I'm to allow you to possess it, and I'm going to multiply men on your land. So uh, in 1967, uh, several surrounding countries, uh, support from Egypt, Syria, and, uh, and Jordan, said, all right, we're going to take care of this problem. We're going we're to finally eliminate this Jewish state. Again, right? Again, this happens. In the process of these massive <laughs> countries coming against Israel, They managed to lose what they had gained in 1948. It's incredible. Israel won back all of these areas that have uh, the star, right? Sinai, now since has been renegotiated. Uh, But all all of these this region here won back. Uh, Here's Gaza. Remember I was telling you about about Gaza? Uh, And all of the West Bank. What did God say? He said, I'm going to allow you to possess the mountains of Israel. We just said, what are the mountains of Israel? In 1967, uh, Israel was uh, engaged in war, and they won back all that had been taken. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and here's the, here's the problem, and this is what I want to address next week, is that we get re- this is where we get really uncomfortable with war, Right? because we don't know how to support it. We don't know how to come against it, right? We, we don't know what to do because we're like, well, war's bad, right? We, we don't want people hurting people. We don't want people killing people. This is obviously not in the heart of God, right? And so we, I think this is part of the reason that we disengage. I think it's part of the reason that we don't know quite how to support Israel because Israel's extremely aggressive. Let's be honest, Read the news, Israel is extremely aggressive uh, and, and lots of people have been hurt from fire from, uh, from Hamas in Palestine and from Israel back, right? And so we look at that and we go, how could I, how could I jump on board and support that? But what I'm asking you to do is not to support uh, a, a political cause and what I'm asking you to do is not support uh, just a, a, a nation uh, just for political, uh, for political sake. What I, what I would ask you to do, uh, again, just how we started and what we're going to talk about next week, is w- how does the believer engage this conflict and support the heart of God? Because it's a tricky question. As I said, we don't want to support war. We don't want to support oppression, right? There is oppression happening. There are people uh, in these refugee camps uh, in in Palestine who are not being treated right. Am I supposed to say that I am supporting that? That's not what I'm asking you to do. How does the believer engage in this process? That's the question that I want to answer next week. Does this make sense? As of now, this is the, the land of Israel. This is where a lot of issue is, Gaza Strip, This is the West Bank. I've spent time here. There are beautiful, beautiful people here, Uh, Jews, Arabs. I mean, it's just phenomenal people. And I cannot imagine living every day thinking that uh, my house could blow at any moment. I I can't imagine that for my children and my family. Uh, And they live there every day. Uh, So we need to know, as believers, how do we pray into that? How do we become supporters of people that God absolutely loves, right? That's the question we want to answer next week. Any, any, any questions before we go? I have one more announcement to say, so don't move. Any questions? Are you okay? Is this kind of stuff, like, bore you to death? No? you sure? This is hard. It's a lot of facts and history, and, uh, but it's really cool. Any history people here? Like, the people that love history? Yeah? Okay, so you, maybe you enjoy this kind of stuff? Cool. Anybody love prophecy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so here's, here's the deal. I just wanted to um, tell you one more thing before we go, and then we're gonna go. Um, today is a very exciting day for our church, uh, a very, 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 very exciting day. Uh, today will be the first time um, that, in a long time, uh, that we will be full staffed uh, today, uh, we are going, you're going to hear uh, someone that you probably uh, know well uh, from Great Escape, but Blake is going to be um, leading us in worship today, and he's leading us as a worship uh, candidate. So what's going to happen, what that means is that today, uh, the if you're a member of this church, you get to vote on, uh, on, on Blake um, this morning. Uh, but what that means is we just believe that the Lord has called him here and um, and and his family, and his soon-to-be baby, and so uh, we're just, I'm just so excited, Um, and so that's happening this morning, Uh, and so I just wanted you to kind of just be engaged in the process, because here's the deal, Uh, I've stood there in that position, and that's a weird, it's a weird day, I just take, it's a weird day, like for the vote to be coming, and you know, it's like, I don't know, it's a weird day, you know, I chatted with you guys, and you guys are, You guys are friendly and everything. It's still still a weird day. So here's what I want you to do, all right? I just want to send you kind of as undercover prayer people, right? I just want you to be praying for him uh, and his family this morning that his focus and his attention would be completely on the throne. You hear me? Because I want to tell you something very exciting. If his attention is on the throne, right, uh, then that's where he's going to lead us. And boy, it should be our heart's desire to encounter the throne room of God all the time, right? This is the good news of, of Jesus that he has made it possible for us to enter in. So, what we want to do, whether we're in music or whether we're studying or whether we're just walking down uh, the street or on campus, we want to be in people who are encountering the throne room of God. So, that's what I want you to be uh, praying for for him that all distraction would cease. I'm not saying he's a guy that gets distracted, but I'm saying there is plenty of distraction to be found on a day like this. And I want you just to be praying that everything would fall away. And that he would encounter his Savior on the throne. Is that okay? Yeah? And then just go with him, like run with him, right? So be, be totally free and love it, all right? So this is gonna be good. Cool? Everybody understand your assignment? All right, so God, we just ask that your presence would be adored uh, right now, just beginning now, that we would begin in our hearts just to begin to observe your throne, we would begin to worship you, God. We don't, we don't need tunes we don't need an environment you have given us your life in you you have made way for us to enter in so i pray that we would enter in now that we would begin to worship now that we would adore you now that we would look on your face now that we would be in love now that we would sing to you now that right now worship would begin and that worship would not stop just pray for this generation that they would be a generation that worships continually, that they would continually pray, continually worship, continually lift their eyes to the throne, that you would be adored in this place. God, you said that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth, so in Jesus' name, I just ask for us to enter in in spirit and in truth right now. Amen.